Hello, hello, good morning. In this episode, I talk to Ellen Weimer. Welcome to the Flutter 101 podcast, a weekly podcast focusing on Flutter and Dart. My name is Vince Varga, and welcome to the show. My guest today is Ellen Weimer. Ellen is the host of the Flying High with Flutter podcast. He's also a panelist on the Elixir Mix podcast. We want to talk about Flutter, different cross-platform solutions Ellen has experience with, Elixir, Erlang, Rust, and we will also talk about Alan's company, Plangora. Welcome, Alan. Thank you for having me on. Um, before we get started, could you please introduce yourself? Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? How did you get started in software development? Oh, I really don't like this kind of open-ended question. <laughs> I'll try my best. Uh, wow, who am I? That's a very existential question. Huh? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess I could simply say, uh, yeah, I'm just a guy that, you know, uh, just got kind of caught up in software for some time. Um, I'm a American, originally from Chicago, living in Hong Kong. That's a long story in itself. Uh, I run my own consulting agency out here. We basically specialize in um, Elixir, Flutter, and Rust with the last one being something that we're still trying to get into, but uh, definitely Elixir and uh, Flutter are our bread and butter. And we've been working with these technologies for, well, I think um, Flutter for just a couple of years, definitely more than a year. Um, Elixir probably about three years or so. I can't think, um, but yeah, it's, it's been a great experience. Um, so yeah, I, I've got a quite, interesting background where I've been doing a lot of things uh, for working for different companies. So uh, I used to work in a bank before this. Um, I used to work for several different startups and several different different industries, one in robotics, one in uh, wine. So actually I have a little bit of knowledge in wine now because of it. So it's always an interesting conversation to have. Uh, trying to think what else. I think it seems about every six months or so I usually change a job, but now that I have my own consultancy, I'm pretty stable where I am. Uh, I'm not quite sure where to go. Maybe I need your help to help try to guide me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I wanted to ask what is Elixir because I don't know much about it. Um, so, yeah. Sure. Elixir is a functional programming language um, that is built upon uh, basically Erlang uh, and the Erlang VM called the Beam. Um, so Erlang was invented as a language for telecom systems, mostly for the telephone switches. It's made to handle, you know, lots of, uh, connections. So, you know, every time that you make a phone call, it has to be routed from a telephone switch. So can you imagine, you know, having the systems that has to take in lots of phone calls, right? Because you have one switch per bunch of, uh, connections. It's also made for, uh, yeah, um, isolation of errors, right? So if you ever make a phone call, you know, and, and the connection never drops, well, it'd be really bad if the connection also dropped for everybody else using the same switch, right? So it's made to kind of isolate the errors. And um, I'm trying to think there's another one. Um, so you got error isolation, you have um, high concurrency. Um, those are definitely two of the biggest ones. Um, so the nice, not so nice part about Erlang is the syntax is really not so friendly. Uh, it looks a lot like Prolog. I don't know if you've ever seen Prolog before, but since you were a physicist, I don't know if you've ever seen Prolog before. Or at least you've been in that background, right? 
Uh, I didn't write prologue, but I took a look at it. I think there is also like the the prologue ninety nine questions, uh, and that's that's the only reason I know anything about prologue. So not well, you've seen it, right? So if you've seen prologue, you've yeah. pretty much seen how Erlang kind of looks. Um, I think you've done some Python, but have you done any Ruby before? Uh, a little bit, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the creator of Elixir originally came from the Ruby and Rails community, and he basically um, yeah, made up Elixir. And it, the syntax is very, very similar to to Ruby. So if you've ever done a little bit of Ruby, you can definitely work a lot with uh, Elixir, but there is a, definitely a lot of different things to it. So um, actually, the really, really cool part about, about Elixir and Erlang, therefore, is it's definitely one of the few functional languages that really gets used in production. Um, I think most functional languages, except for maybe recently, right, with Clojure, uh, most functional languages are not really used in production so much. So when Erlang came out in the early 80s, I believe, it was quite popular in the academics because it was one of the few functional languages that academics are really looking at, and it's actually used practically, right? So it's uh, it's really a fantastic language and really a great ecosystem. I love to talk about it. Um, and does yeah. it also run in the browser? Because I think I had this idea that it's somehow supposed to run in the browser, but I might be confusing that with a, with another language. Uh, not quite. I mean, with Web WebAssembly, you can run a lot of languages. So there is uh, some part of the community which is actually working with the WebAssembly Commission or whatever you call it to actually add in features to WebAssembly, the proposal or the specification so that you can actually write Elixir code and actually write it for the front end. Um, so these guys are actually using Rust to create the compiler for that. So if you can, I mean, similar to what JavaScript developers have right now, where they could just write in JavaScript for both the front end and back end. Well, now with Elixir, theoretically, you can actually start writing both back end and front end with Elixir. And that gets really cool because um, I talked about concurrency, right? You can just spin off something called a process and you can get some really interesting uh, results, right? So in Flutter, right, we have the idea of an isolate. I think you've heard of isolates before, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, with isolates, I mean, isolates are basically the same thing as a process in Elixir and Erlang. Is that It's a separate um, kind of piece of computation that runs on its own thread or its own kind of thing. It could break. It won't take down your system. It's totally fine. That's part of the error isolation. Like when I talked about the phone call situation, basically every single phone call going into the switch is a separate process. So think about separate isolate in terms of uh, Dart. Um, that's kind of what you have. And also the idea of, of, of a send port and receive port. Uh, have you ever worked with isolates in general? Um, not much. Um, no, yeah. not really. So with an isolate, the only way that you can ever pass data back and forth is you have to use a send port and receive port. Message. Yeah, it's message passing. And that's actually exactly yeah. what Erlang does. And I believe I had Casper on my podcast a, few, a couple weeks ago. And if I remember correctly, he actually took that idea from Erlang, uh, and that's where we got the idea of isolates, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But I, I definitely know that he knew about the idea of, of processes in Erlang, and uh, I'm sure that definitely played uh, into the idea of isolates within Dart, I'm pretty sure. Um, oh, so, okay. yeah. interesting. I didn't know that. Um, can we... Uh, so you, you have your own company, right? So is it like a consulting company or agency? So what do you do there? Yeah, sure. Um, so yes, I have my own, I don't know what you call it, consulting company, digital agency, whatever. We basically are, the way I would sum up is that we 
are the IT teams of startups over here. Not all of them, but some of them. Like the smallest company size we have is literally a company of one. So it's just him, the, the, the one owner, and we meet him every week, usually twice a week, discuss what he wants to do. And we help to provide the solution. We use Elixir for the back end and Flutter for the front end. Uh, another kind of company we also work with is actually a very, very big uh, MNC. I won't say who it is, um, but um, yeah, they got hundreds or thousands of employees around the world. We also work with them. We actually use Elixir for that too. We actually read in data from the ERP system and we generate PHP pages <laughs> because in the interim, you know, they're just too big and they just don't have the, uh, they, they eventually want to, you know, build their own system, but that takes, you know, three years, three to five years plus, hundred million us dollars to do. So in the meantime, we're kind of helping them to, to generate these pages for them while uh, they don't have that all set up yet. So, I mean, we, we have different kinds of clients is what I'm trying to say, and we do different kinds of projects. So it's, uh, as I mentioned, we, we, we basically focus on Elixir, uh, Flutter and uh, Rust. And the reason that we choose these three technologies is, well, I chose them of course, because I'm the, I'm the boss. Right. But, at the same time, I don't choose things just, just for fun, right? You know, I, I really think about all these things. And the parts, the reason I choose Elixir is because uh, it's great for making web technology for web backends because, you know, bugs happen. And the way that um, things happen in the way that you kind of solve issues with Elixir and Erlang is that if something ever, if there's ever a bug that ever happens, you just kind of let it crash and then you just restart the process again. Um and that kind of works out for the most part, but obviously if there's something always crashing, you, you try to fix it, but sometimes you just can't help it, right? People send you some nasty data on purpose or, or on accident. I mean, you can't really protect yourself against that. You just let it crash. Um, but in any case, you know, and it scales up, right? I mean, you have to make a phone call. I mean, these, these, these telephone switches are made to accept uh, telephone calls. And if, you, and if you can't, then it's a big problem for them. So it's definitely made for scalability, right? Uh, WhatsApp uses Erlang for their backend. And I think they last time I heard they had like, uh, I don't know if it's 1 million or 3 million connections on one box, which is quite impressive, I think. So more than 1 million plus for sure on one server. That's a lot of connections going through. That's a lot of data being processed. So, and I think nowadays people need that from their services, right? You ever go to a website and it goes down. I mean, Facebook goes down, Twitter goes down. Everybody's really in a, in a, in a fix, right? Everybody really gets upset. So I think the, the problems that telephone switches had back in the day is what we expect from software nowadays. So that's why we choose that is that we choose something that can handle errors. It can handle lots of load and it can handle spikes in load. Um, so that's why we, we look at that. Uh, Flutter. I mean, we want to be able to create, um, need, uh, you know, mobile apps, right? And that was the re first reason why we looked at it. Originally, I, I tried to use React Native and it was a little bit of a disaster. Like every time I upgraded a piece of React Native, it just broke everything. And I just felt, wow, this is horrible. Um, oh. I did do my own native apps, both. It, I think I, my first native app actually did Objective-C. So this is before Swift. So I feel like an old man now, but <laughs> before Swift, right? So I did Objective-C and, and I had fun with that. This was around the time when storyboards came out. And um, after I did the, the iOS app, then I had to do an Android version. So I, I have done it before. It's not easy to do. And it is kind of annoying when you're a team of one and you have to create these apps and you have to add a feature to both. 
And each one's using a different language and each one has a different style. Uh, at least when you program things, right? You're using XML for Android, you're using drag and drop GUI editor for uh, iOS and um, that, at least at that time, right? And so for my, my initial ideas was, you know, I don't think React is a good long-term solution. And that was just my own thinking. And I've encountered people with similar thinking too. So I don't think I'm alone on this one. Maybe I just need to spend more time with it. I don't know. But, but in any case, right? And, and so I kept hearing about Flutter for a long time. And I just thought, okay, it's another, you know, similar to React Native. It's just, you know, doing something similar. I also did PhoneGap before. So I was kind of a little bit, you know, PhoneGap Bionic. Um, I gave it a shot. I gave it a try. I dug more into it. And I realized that this is actually much, much different than what I imagined. And so uh, we, we went with it. We, we did an app for a client. Actually, we did two apps for two clients at the same time, and we use Flutter for each one. And the same thing happens that for every person, right? When you do a new technology for a new project, you did everything wrong. <laughs> so we, we, we learned basically, you know, I, I learned Flutter similar to how I learned how to bowl, is that I keep hitting gutter balls until I got something right. So I hit a pin. And so um, after working with it for some time, we definitely fixed what we need to do. And now we're much better at it. So so if you guys are looking for consulting work, definitely reach out to me. Ignore what I said about the gutter balls, okay? We're, we're hitting strikes these days. But, nice. but in any case, yeah, but in any case, I mean, everybody's the same, right? You start with new technology, you're not going to be 100% great at it. But now we definitely know what we're doing these days. So, and, and, and it's been great. And we actually delivered um, two desktop apps already. Um, so I'm quite happy with it. Um, and then oh, finally nice. rust, then finally rust, because, uh, sometimes you need some power, right? And none of us are, are great at C and none of us are great at managing memory and being safe in our code, right? Even everybody writes bugs. And so I think rust is something that, um, you know, is a serious thing. And I think that it's something that, you know, eventually you're going to need something quite native and down to the, down to the metal. And we actually used it in a project. So I mentioned about the MNC. Um, when I was using Elixir to create all these um, pages, the, the XML parsing in Elixir, and actually from Erlang, is so bad. It took like, um, I think it was about four to eight gigabytes of RAM plus 10, at least 10 minutes of processing. And I replaced that part using uh, Rust. Because you can actually, of course, you can use some kind of FFI, right? And I replaced it with Rust, and it went to – the whole process takes about seven seconds now, and I don't think the memory really spikes at all because with the way it, you know, it just releases the memory so quickly that you don't even notice anything. Wow. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely been worth it. So, um, yeah, that, so that's why I changed my thoughts about you know, using Rust and everything. Oh, nice. Uh, Rust is also a language that I want to learn next. Uh, and I, I think it has so so much potential, and it 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 sounds great. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit uh, about Dart on the backend. Did you consider that, or you just, or, or does would it would it not be good to be able to write Flutter uh, um, like Dart code for your Flutter mobile apps and also? Dart on the backend, or did you try that, or uh, was it not there yet? I've never considered using Dart on the backend. Um, I think I, I can't think of anything that would make me consider to use Dart 
as a backend language at this moment. And it's not because I don't believe in it, but it's just because I think Elixir just offers me so much more um, than Dart. Um, okay. And I think okay. that, you know, like if I want to like, okay, if I want, let me ask you a question, right? Because we've been doing, you know, you always hang out on pub.dev, right? Can you tell me an ORM that I could use for, for, for Dart? <laughs> Can you tell um, me a, a web framework I could use for Dart? Um, I Yes, uh, yes, I understand your question. So basically, <laughs> so I think the yeah. ecosystem is not quite there yet, and I think the, I think the ecosystem no. could be there, right? But I think the support is just not there, right? And and I know there's some there's Aqueduct, but that actually also just got abandoned recently. I think I'm, I'm yes. open to it. I'm open to it, but I think yeah. that you know, if you want to have a lot of concurrency and stuff, I I think I don't know if you can do the same thing with with Dart that you can do with Elixir and Erlang. It's made yeah, for that. Probably kind of not. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I agree. So I think for for the kind of so I, I wouldn't use Dart on the back end for like very performance critical things or where you need to um, like leverage concurrency and things like that. Um, I think I would use Dart for projects where I think like for small teams um, where the developers are kind of shared between the front end and back end. Um, I think for those kinds of projects is good because I think like the just switching between between languages, at least for me, just takes so much mental energy, like the context switch. Um, and that's why I think it has potential. Of course, I don't think that <laughs> everything uh, should be replaced uh, with Dart. Um, and, and yeah, actually, I think the Aqueduct product was, I really liked it, but of course it was kind of discontinued uh, as well as Angel. Um, I heard about Alfred, uh, which sounds good. Um, but yeah, and yes, that's true. Like the, there's just not enough packages or um, not enough quality packages yet. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I also think that. I see your side about the mental switch and kind of having one language to rule out. But I think at the same time, you know, there's a reason why you choose certain languages for certain tasks. As you can see, I'm, I'm biased, right? Every, every developer I think has some bias, no matter what you say, right tool for right job. Not everybody really follows that. You say it, but I don't know how many people really actually follow that. Um, of course, I, I, of course I, I say that and I don't follow it. <laughs> because I have my, my ideas. I'm open, right? I'm really, I'm open. If you can prove to me that something is better, I'll definitely look at it. Like to me, I was planning on using Rust to actually do most of the work for that MNC project, but I actually didn't. I just used it for a small piece. Uh, but yeah, in, in the end, I mean, um, yeah, I think that every language has a reason, right? And I think that using one language for both ends, just, just to try to make something easier, I think is not the right approach. I think that you really need to, to really look at what each one's made for. Um, Dart, I, I think the original idea was it's made to replace JavaScript kind of. And yeah. so I think you need to think about that. Like where is JavaScript good for? Where should it be should be good for? I think this idea of Flutter really kind of was totally unexpected from the, the guys who created Dart, right? But it's, for some reason it works. Like Python, I think when Guido created Python, I don't think he had any idea that data science would be, you know, where it's at, but it just is. But even that, that that's another story because that's still actually using C underneath, right? So that's a little bit tr trickery, <laughs> I think, because you're still kind of digging something else. But yeah, I mean, I, I see your point, though. 
Yeah. Um, and now that you mentioned like Python and C and Rust, uh, did you work, uh, like, did you connect to Rust code from Dart, like through FFI? I think this is the foreign function interface. I think there is a way to call Rust code from Dart. Have you tried that or do you have any experience with that? Yes, actually I did. I'm, I'm happy you asked me about that because again, this was my gutter ball challenge, doing everything wrong until I got it right. So the, the first the first desktop app that we wrote for a client is basically I got a client called me up. They said, hey, we really want to make a, a Windows app. We don't know how to do it. We think you can do it because my history is I've kind of been the person where People call me when they they wanted something to be done, but they have no idea to do it. And to be honest, I really have no idea myself. So if we go back to my what I talk about, about the iOS app, I had no idea to build an iOS app. But my boss kind of came in and said, hey, somebody has to build this. I said, great, who's going to do it? He said, you. I said, I don't know how to do that. He said, you better figure it out. So I figured it all out, right? So that's kind of been my history for a lot of my career is just figuring out how to get this, how to get the thing done. Uh, so anyways, they, they came to me and they said, we really want to build this app. And so what I said was, okay, how about this? I use Flutter. These guys were also using Flutter for their, their mobile app. I said, why don't we take a look at using Flutter for the desktop? They just released the alpha support. So this gives you an idea about when it was. I think that this is a good idea to go because you guys already use Flutter. I use Flutter. We both like Flutter. Um, I said, here's what we'll do is we'll make all the logic in uh, DIL files, right? The DLL files. So that way, in case what we do is not good or Flutter is just not a good technology, we still have the the DIL files that we could just connect to using something else. So we're not out of, we're not, you know, we're not missing out, right? So I found these um, these posts by this this guy, Shady, uh, I think it's Shady, something with a K, I forgot his last name now, but from the Sunshine uh, group, which was working on Flutter apps with Rust. And his posts definitely helped me out. So I, I learned how to do all that. And um, the one thing I think he didn't talk about which was something that really threw me off for quite some time, which was tree shaking within Mac OS and iOS. Uh, there's tree shaking. So over here, we always use Mac to develop with because if you have a Mac, you can make your, you can make an Android app, you can make an iOS app, you can make whatever. And so, uh, yeah, we did all of our development for that app using Mac. And so I tried to make the Rust integration on Mac work. Wasn't working. Well, I found out later on it's because if you don't include the C library within Swift code, the uh, yeah they'll just tree shake it out so that it never even gets compiled into the app. So that's a good tip for anybody who's looking at doing this. But yeah, once you once you add, you just add a fake call into the code, and then it's going to include the whole library. So you just add one function call in there, and it's going to be good. So once you figure that out, uh, everything was basically involved, and so the Dart FFI uh, works very good. I'm quite happy with it. Uh, it's pretty smooth. Um, I think his post is really, really great. And I learned a lot from it. Okay. And what? how did you find Flutter for desktop? So what was your experience with it? Um... So, well, the first thing is that, of course, everything works fine on your computer. But when you bring it to somebody else, it's not so fine, right? So we, we, we compiled it. It ran on our machine. We made a desktop installer using Inno, Inno something, Inno Setup, I think it's called. So we made a really, really great, really slick interface. Everything was really great. We brought it to the client. We had a demo. We asked them to install it. They installed it, and they had just a great screen. <laughs> we, 
we had no idea why, right? Because we, we ran on our machines, everything worked great. We, we tried it on two machines over here. We said, okay, two machines should be probably fine. Well, what we also ran into, which is kind of nice part about being in Hong Kong, is that their machines were in Cantonese. And we had multilingual on the app because they asked us to make it multilingual because they are supporting uh, people in China. And so they, they not only have to support English, but also to support simplified Chinese. And I think probably also uh, traditional Chinese. And so if you had a simplified or traditional Chinese computer and you ran the app, the app would be great because we didn't include all the translations. So <laughs> when the app loaded up, it tried to load in the localized file and it wasn't there. And that's what actually what happened. So we, we but otherwise it was all pretty smooth. Um, we did actually run into a couple of weird things too, where some, on some computers it wasn't working at all, but mostly it was. So I was actually quite surprised with how well everything was, even though that was still in alpha at that time. Um, but yeah, since then, I mean, things are much better. Like I said, we just delivered another app to uh, a client of ours as just a bonus to them to say, hey, you know, we, we made this app for you. Um, they working with a lot of consultants from all over the world. <clears throat> and I've seen what they have to work with. They get an email of JSON data whenever something happens, which is just not, not nice. So we just created that for them and they love it. You know, we created a Mac app for them first. And then the other guy is a Windows guy. He has for a Windows app. We just exported Windows, very straightforward. And then we also uh, exported an Android app for them too. And uh, they're super happy. So I'm very happy with the desktop support so far. I'm, I'm, I think it's even better than it was before. And even before, I was still happy with it. Okay. And what about the web? Uh, Flutter for web? Did you use yeah. it or do you like it? Uh, what, do, what is your opinion about that? My opinion is it's still pretty unstable. Um, I tried developing an app or a website with it and it just kept it would just stop refreshing after some time i don't know what happened um so i still think that it needs to be polished some more i don't i don't know how it is in 220 i think is the recent one but in two in, in 2.0 when it came out as being kind of stable i don't think it's very stable and i don't think i'm the only one out there who thinks that because i've seen quite a few people saying how at least when you're developing with it it's not so stable so um But other than that, I mean, you still we still need to have the support for the uh, for the SEO. That's another big blocker. But uh, otherwise, I mean, I'm open to it. Um, but I, I don't know. I I haven't played with it. I, I have zero production apps in Flutter Web, but I have stuff in uh, in the other ones. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. You also mentioned so. You are also a the host of the Flying High with Flutter podcast. Um, I have I have to say that I'm very glad that you started that podcast uh, as well. Um, we started, I believe, more or less around the same time, and um, I'm I love I love listening to podcasts, and I'm so glad that there is another uh, Flutter podcast, and I'm listening to uh, your episodes as well. Um, so. For all the listeners, I think I can just uh, recommend it uh, to open your podcast application and subscribe uh, to the Flying High with Flutter podcast. Um, but I wanted to ask a, a couple of things about that. Like, why did you get started in podcasting? And um, how do you, like, um, how is your podcast? 
Yeah, so I I had no intention of ever making making a a podcast. So I I am an avid podcast listener. I like to listen to it when I go to the gym in the morning. Um, and uh, there was an advertisement on one of the podcasts I listened to. So I listened to as you as you heard, I'm a big fan of Elixir. So I listened to Elixir Mix. And as I was listening, there was a kind of an ad for just having a conversation with him up with uh, with somebody. So this guy named Chuck. And I had a conversation with him about, you know, what's this all about? He said he wanted to ask some questions. So he's just asking me, you know, what do you, you know, what are you looking to do? Are you, do you want to level up? I said, yeah, of course I want to level up. Everybody wants to level up. Nobody wants to level down, right? Or nobody wants to stay the same. Everybody wants to improve, I think. And he said, okay, I'm putting together this, you know, uh, group for for people. Um, so, so some background about him is that he is a very big person in technical podcasts. So if you listen to JavaScript Jabber or He's got so many different other podcasts out there. He's got like like 40 of them or something. It's really crazy. Uh, but in any case, yeah, if you listen to some podcasts, you may have heard some of them before. Of course, one of the Elixir Mix. Uh, anyways, he said, uh, you know, I've, he's been putting together podcasts for a while. So now he's putting on a class or a mentoring session every week. And he will also teach you how to do podcasts. I said, I don't know if this is for me, but maybe I thought about it. And I said, you know what? Why not give it a shot, right? Because if you have a, if you have a podcast, you know you, you have a little bit of a, some clout to you, right? Which is what I'm, something I'm always trying to to do, um, at least for my business, right? So I wanted to try with some more clients. I wanted to get some more, you know, some more uh, reputation, and I want to make sure, you know, I also want to tr- contribute to the community too. So uh, some more background is that I think, um, you know, you, you're also a big listener to uh, it's all widgets, right? And I love It's All Widgets podcast. I, I wish there was more. That was my one thing is I wish there was more episodes. Sadly, there's not, right? And so I said, you know what? I've been enjoying Flutter for some time. Um, there's already quite a few podcasts in the Alexa community. Flutter is the next thing I use a lot. Um, so I think that, you know, I can contribute back and I can make a podcast. You know, why not? And he's willing to kind of show me how. So let's give it a try. And so that's basically what happened is that, you know, I had no intention of ever doing this. He put the idea into my head. I thought about it. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's been working out so well. I mean, to be honest, I think, I think actually it's mostly for me and everybody else is kind of in on the ride, kind of enjoying it with me. Uh, I feel like I'm getting all the benefit because I get to talk to some really interesting people, you know, um, talk to one of the creators of Dart. Uh, we're talking about Rust, right? Uh, and I know that, you know, you're also interested in Rust. And so I talked to somebody about you know, the Sunshine guy, the, the, the Shady from the Sunshine. Shady Khalifa, uh, I think. Yeah, Khalifa. Yeah, so I talked to him. Uh, he came on the podcast. He also gave more information. I mean, I learned a lot more. Um, it's really it's really been great. Like, to be honest, I feel like I'm getting more out of this than my audience. And uh, sometimes I feel a little bit guilty. But at the same time, I'm also kind of uh, – I'm a greedy person. I'm going to admit that. I'm a greedy person. I'm not a very nice guy. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. So Okay. Yeah, nice. Uh, and when do you, how often do you release episodes and when do you release episodes? Yeah, we try to release every week. So it's Wednesday about 5.30 PM. We release our video to YouTube and we release a episode to, uh, you know, podcasts, right? So Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, Amazon, basically all the big ones, Stitcher too, I believe. And, uh, but throughout the week, we also release clips. So if you're interested in, you know, see what we think is quite important from the episode, we always release those basically every day except for Wednesday. So, yeah. 
Okay. And you also have video, right? So it's like a video, audio um, podcast uh, and with live streams as well, right? Yep. So I think the one thing that I don't, or I, so I'm kind of a guy where I wanted to have something different uh, here. So maybe let me kind of reach back into my background a little bit. So when I was growing up, I always had birthday parties that were quite different than other people. And I think that was the, kind of the fun part, right? So I had the only sleepover birthday party. We had the 50 kids at my house every year sleepover party. So that was the only people that would ever do that. Uh, when I, when I graduated from, from, from high school, my dad actually surprised me and we actually had a, we had a private show at a comedy club. We had three comedians just for my own party. So we had dinner on one side and we went to the other side, which was the bar. We had a comedy club there. It was great. Right. And, and, and then when I got, I think when I also, when I graduated too, when I graduated from university, I studied Chinese Mandarin. And when I, uh, when I graduated, we had a party too, and we had Chinese catering. Right. And we also had like a gong and all these other kind of fun things. And, so we always try to do something different because having the same type of style, I think is just, it's forgettable. Right. And so kind of, that was kind of my background, my thoughts when I was thinking about all this stuff is that I want to have something a little bit different. So now coming back to the now, <laughs> sorry, I keep talking about my past, but talking about the now, right. What I wanted to do was that, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm greedy. I said that already, but at the same time, I also want to give back to the community. So we do live streams of the podcast and the reason that we do a live stream is because we want the community to also enjoy this with us, right? Not everybody gets a chance to talk to these people in the community. And I think that, you know, if you can make it, it's great. If you can't, of course, you can always catch the, the polished video and the polished audio sometime in the future. But I think that if you can make it and you do have a question, you can definitely join in on discussion, right? We can, you can definitely ask your question. You can get it answered. So if we get some kind of library author and you want to ask a question, you know, to them about, hey, why is this thing like this or you know, whatever kind of question you have, we want to give the opportunity to you guys. We want you guys to also be a part of this. So that's kind of our angle. And that's why we do the live streams. Um, and also we do the video because, yeah, sometimes there's things that you do want to show your audience. We've had quite a few people who did want to show off. Like we had quite a few people who made some really, really fantastic looking apps. And this is audio only. How are you going to see that? So we do show, uh, you know, whatever they want to show. And so that's also been great. Um, you know, it's, it's really, that's, that's why, that's why we do these two things because we want people to participate and we also want people to, to see, you know, what's, what, you know, other things just besides see the app, see whatever is going on rather than just us talking about it. So that, that's kind of our angle. Okay. Okay. Nice. Um, there will be links in the show notes uh, to everything uh, you said. I wanted to come back to a bit to Hong Kong. So how is it? Um, how is it? Uh, how is it uh, working there? So um, as like an expat, like or a foreigner, um, basically, how do you find customers there, or do you have any issues uh, like? talking to your customers or, or like, I think you mentioned your customers are from the U S and also from locally, right? Yeah. Most of our customers are definitely foreign. Um, there's some, which are maybe foreign educated, right? So we usually connect everything in English. So it's never really a problem. Um, plus, I mean, with Hong Kong's history being a former British colony, it's also, 
I mean, we're, we're in a good spot, right? The younger people, maybe their English is not so great, but in the end, most people, they, they have pretty good English. Okay. And Hong Kong is, a, is an international city. I mean, you have to have English to really do business. Hong Kong is just too small. There's no space, so you really can't, like, rely on exports. Although they do, I mean, they export from China, right? They're kind of a nice gateway, but that's less and less nowadays. But, yeah, I mean, no matter what, I mean, Hong Kong is really a great place. Um, there's a couple of things I would like to change about it. One is that the weather is just too hot here. I don't know what it is. I think it's like a 2,000% humidity or something. It's really crazy humid over here. Uh, the other thing, too, is um, it's difficult to find streets, to find directions. I don't know what the problem is. I've, I, I come from the Midwest. I come from Chicago, like I said. Everything is laid out in a grid. Over here, there's so many curves and twists and turns and the, finding stuff out here is really difficult and nobody puts numbers outside their business. So I have to walk like two, three, four, five blocks to see a number. And it's really difficult to find things. So without Google Maps, I'd be totally lost. Uh, but, but other than that, I mean, things are pretty good. And also the the, the cost of living out here is still pretty high. Um, I think I pay about 1,400 US dollars for a 400 square foot apartment. So I don't know what that is in square meters, but it's probably like 20 something, 30, less than 30, I think, square meters. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's it's not cheap out here, right? So the 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 space, it's because the space out here is, is really, really limited. Um, you know, I remember going back and uh, brought some people to my hometown and they were like, wow, how come you guys don't have skyscrapers? So I'm like, no, no, we, because I live, actually, I live, I live in, a, in a suburb just outside the city. Uh, everything's very like, you know, one to three stories tall because we got space. But here, everything is a very vertical city. You, if you ever come to Hong Kong, you'll see that everything is like a big skyscraper. So it's quite an interesting thing. So everybody just builds up rather than building out because there's just no space. Um, but yeah, going back to, you know, how do I find clients? Um, so my, my, my background is that I've been in a lot of startups, a lot. Um, I, I, like I said, I keep changing every six months for different reasons. Sometimes because I want to, I want to grow and they're just not letting me grow. Sometimes it's because the company will close because they didn't, they ran out of money or, or whatever, anything can happen. Um, and so, yeah, because of that, I mean, I've gained some people who, who do want to work with me. So the, the desktop app, that one is actually from, uh, I actually interviewed that company and I was just not a good fit because I was just much much more experienced than what they're looking for. So that's why they said they don't think it's a good fit. Um, but, you know, because of the interview, I, they came back to me and said, hey, we, we want to work with you and we think you can do this and we don't know how to do it. So and somehow we figured it out. Um, but other than that, I got some referrals from clients saying, you know, because startups know each other, right? So they'll say, hey, I saw you have a mobile app. Who wrote that? And they said, oh, yeah, these, these guys did. They did a pretty good job. And then, you know, sometimes we get referrals like that. So that's probably the strongest. Um, so yeah, yeah, and again, like I said, going back, you know, we want to raise a reputation. So that's the one thing we're really, really weak on is is how to uh, let people know who we are. And uh, we're hoping that the podcast will definitely help and uh, raise people, you know, who we are. Because uh, yeah, I mean, when you want some software done, and you don't know who to, who to contact. It's really difficult, right? Because there's so many companies, and each one is uh, it's quite expensive, you know. So you have to try to find some decent people. Okay. Okay. I hope I talked um, about the right things. So very like so many questions at once. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, no, uh, I'm. That was perfect. Uh, 
I wanted to ask uh, if you have any tips for beginners or any tips for people new to Flutter coming from different technologies. How would you learn Flutter or just any tips on this? Yeah, I mean, this kind of goes back to what we talked about. So, of course, people may know that we just recorded another episode, <laughs> you and my on my podcast, not on yours. Um, so the way I usually do it is that I try to pick a project to do rather than try to follow a track, right? That's that's always been my style is that if I, learn, if I wanted to learn a new technology, I will pick something to build. Uh, and so I go in that direction. And I think that is the best way that I think to go is that you pick something and you focus on how can you get that thing done. So it's okay, I uh, got to make this app and there's a login screen. Let me first make the login screen. Okay, uh, it's got to connect this API. Let me try to do that. Okay, I have to you know do this thing. How do I do that? That's the way I think is a really, really good way to go. Um, so I think, you know, take your time, work on one piece at a time. Don't try to to learn and take on too much. Just focus on one thing at a time and try to learn as much as you can. And if you get it done, but you still don't understand what that, you know, why it works or how it works, I think that you should really dig into that. Um, again, that's what I usually do. Like, you know, I want to know more about how, how rows and columns work and you know, how this kind of stuff works and, and how does overflow work and why do I get an overflow? And I really dug into that and now I feel much better about how that all works and I feel much more confident. Now I get much less overflows because I really took my time to really read into it. So I think, you know, try to dig into topics that are relevant to you, right? So if you're never going to work with like web sockets or something, then then don't waste your time. Don't put that into your, your your knowledge, right? Just focus on things that you think are that you actually have to learn. And you know, again, this also kind of comes from my, my background is you may never actually need those things that you want to learn. I see so many people trying to learn everything about Flutter. And Flutter is just so big. I mean, and they keep adding to it. So there's no way you can pick up everything. I would just focus on learning what's good for you and what you need to do. And then try to look into there and see how it all works. And then I think the next step is see if you can improve upon that. Uh, we start off using set state, and that's just not a good solution, I think, for bigger apps. And so now we use block more so. But we're still looking at RiverPod. You know, we, we may change RiverPod, but we use RiverPod in one app. And I don't know if we're going to use it again because I actually dug more into block, and now I understand block a lot more. And now I think I may stick with block. Um, but I think. You know, that's a whole other solution, right? So the state management is a whole other problem that I don't think I want to get into right now. It's too big. Okay. So yeah, I mean, people also ask too, you know, which, which, which state management should I use? Uh, that's Use what you think is easier for you to understand, I think, is probably the proper solution. Okay. Uh, then I think I'm going to steal one of... Uh, yes, so... Um, we we also before this episode we recorded another episode for your podcast and uh, we sent each other a couple of questions and I want to steal one of your questions to me that uh, why do you think state management is such a complicated subject uh, within Flutter and why do you think it's such a like an important topic somehow uh, that everyone keeps talking about, I don't know, block versus provider versus get it versus uh, river pod. And there are probably like Redux and there are probably five more others that I'm missing. So why do you think it's such a an important topic in Flutter? 
Okay, this is a good question to ask. Um, well, obviously, because I picked it right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it's, it's a great question to ask. And here's the thing. Um, state, I never used to think about state so much, but after working with Elixir for some time and seeing how they manage state and thinking about how, how computers and stuff usually work, it's very complicated, right? Every time you try to install something or do something, uh, you know, you, and it doesn't work, you know, what do you do? You, you, you go on Google and guess what? There's 20,000 different reasons why it may not be working. I don't, I don't know if you ever had the same situation where you, you try to solve it. You know, why, why does Node.js not, why is the seg fault, right? Here's my seg fault. Why is the seg fault? Have you ever tried looking up something similar to that where some error happened and you get 50 different solutions? Um, yes, um, that's frustrating. <laughs> it's frustrating, right? But if you think about it, how many bits do you have on your machine, right? I mean, we all have gigabytes of, of space on our machine. So state, I mean, if we all have gigabytes of stuff, right, how many different how many different types of state can it be? And how many different, you know, things can, you know, why is my computer different than your computer? Why is it that when I install Flutter, you know, I can do this, but you cannot, right? Why, you know, it's, it's so difficult. Um, so state is really such a complicated topic that I don't think we can ever really solve it. And I think that, you know, the solution for Erlang and Elixir, the, the, the fun thing about this is it really kind of follows what a lot of people do, right? If you're, if something's not working, you know what, you let it crash and you restart it if you need to, because everybody, I mean, you use windows before, right? I don't know if you use windows now, but you use windows before at least, right? Yep. So if windows is not working for you, what do you usually do? You restart. Exactly. So, and and that's a really a, a good way to do it, right? Is that whenever your state is not working properly, you just restart it, you kill it, and you restart it. And I think that's what Erlang and Elixir have that is really powerful and something that I think that other languages should take a look at is that whenever state comes bad, the only proper thing to do is just restart it. You can't do that for all your mobile apps, right? But state is such a tricky thing, and managing state is even more tricky. And I think that there's no proper solution that works for every single problem out there. So you're really going to have to take a look at, you know, what works for you and what you think, what you can wrap your mind around. And sometimes some things are overblown, you know, like initially I think block was probably too much, but you know, most of my apps are, are long running and I think block is still a good solution. It makes sense, right? You click a button, that's an event. You're expecting some state to happen, right? It makes sense to me. Uh, qubits are also interesting too. I think RiverPod is also interesting. Uh, it does make sense for a lot of things because in block, I also need to have one block talk to another block and there's multiple ways to do that. Uh, no clear way, but I think, you know, RiverPod has got a great way of doing it where they, you, you listen um, and you, you know, you can watch things happening and then react upon it. I think that's great. Uh, you know, and I think that that's really what it comes down to is that every app is different. Everybody's thinking is different. So you need to choose what you think works best for you. And we're pretty happy with block. Riverpod is a second best choice, I think. Do you, what do you, what about you? I, I, I forgot to ask you, what do you actually use for, for state management? Um, I used uh, block provider and get it. I'm, I think I, I really, I actually like them both. Uh, I, I like them all. Uh, I didn't try Riverpod yet. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm also not so sure why it's that important uh, in the Flutter community because 
I think like, I mean, of course it depends on how you define state management. Uh, I think a lot of the discussions, um, basically the root cause for the discussion is, is because people have different, um, definitions for state management. And I think it's, it's a bit difficult to define. Um, but I, I think, um, in the end, if you kind of split your app correctly and you um like in the end i think if you split your app correctly which state management you use is not that important i think um but yeah so basically with block i found it a bit uh difficult to understand um mm, I added to the, to an application that was receiving, uh, basically real time updates from different sources, from MQTT, from HTTP requests. And for some reason, I just couldn't get, like, I just couldn't get it done with provider. It was somehow too complicated. Um, and then I thought, okay, why not try block? Um, and for like this problem with block somehow felt so, easy to solve uh, maybe because of the so I, I'm I'm also still not quite sure why it was so easy and why in other cases uh, block feels so I don't know uh, convoluted or verbose or complicated um, but yeah I, I think it's I also like provider I think it's um, it's really what the inherited widget uh was supposed to be uh because like if you ever wrote like inherited widgets or inherited theme on your own i think it's just so much code that is insane like i mean like for such a simple thing it requires so much code like uh like the inherited widgets without any other uh external libraries uh, it's just a, a nightmare to do. Um, and I think provider solves that problem well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also quite open-minded about these uh, state management solutions. Uh, I think use whatever you understand well, whatever feels natural, whatever is used already on the application that you may be joined. So I think it's it's also a waste of time to replace these state management solutions all, all the time. I think some people tend to do that, that, okay, I, I write it in provider. Now I see this problem. Let's rewrite the whole app and use block. And then in three months, they decide to rewrite everything with get it or get it. Um, so yeah, that's more or less my opinion on this topic. I think block makes sense for what you did. Like you said, you weren't quite sure because if you think about it, everything coming in is an event, right? So that that's why I think that makes sense. I'm not sure how provider would solve this. You have to use a stream no matter what, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or or basically write your own streams. I mean, it could be you could get like basically you can get away with not using streams but in the end what you will end up writing is basically basically a wrong or a, a bad version of streams in the end because uh there you could find a way around it but it's just not worth it so uh yes i i think uh i think uh the streams helped uh, with that problem 
Uh, and I think that's why it felt so easy to solve with block. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah, anything to add? I don't think so. I think I could speak too much. <laughs> so I feel like every time I come on a podcast, I feel like I could speak too much. I just hope people <laughs> get some value out of it, right? So uh, I, th I think in the end, you know, I think Flutter is only improving nowadays, and I'm really happy to be a part of this community, and I hope that I can bring some value to people. Um, and, of course, I want value for myself. You know, I also want to learn. I, 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 I feel a bit like an imposter syndrome sometimes that when I kind of make my podcast and people also ask me to come talk about it. Um, but, you know, in, in the end, I, I just want people to know that, you know, there's this thing called Flutter. Give it a try if you haven't. Um, and if you do and, you know, let people know about it, because, uh, you know, again, like I said, when I first heard about Flutter, I thought it was just some other kind of similar idea like react native or, or something else but it's really not it's really something much better than that i think and i and i think there's no reason to ever go back to native after being a guy who wrote a couple native apps before i don't see any reason to ever go back to native since flutter came out hmm. okay yeah. all right uh so i think it's time to wrap things up uh where can our listeners reach you or find you online so I have a, I do have a Twitter. I can't believe I actually have a Twitter. It's been so long. So my Twitter is uh, Alan Wyma, A-L-L-E-N-W-Y-M-A. I uh, also have my Twitter for my company is Plangora. So it's just Plangora. I don't even know. I never tweet my own company. So yeah, just slash Plangora, P-L-A-N-G-O-R-A. And of course, if you want to know more about the podcast on Twitter too, there's also Flying Hat with Flutter. Maybe I'll just drop it into the notes because I forgot it. Oh, here. F-H-W Flutter. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty reachable by most things. So you can also leave a comment on our YouTube channel uh, or anywhere else, Facebook, whatever. We have everything open. So it should be easy to find me. Okay, okay, awesome. Then I would like to thank you again for joining uh, for this episode. Uh, I really appreciate what you are doing uh, with the podcast. Uh, as I already mentioned, I really enjoy listening to it myself. Um, I, I can just only recommend it for also our, our listeners to go there and check it out. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you for joining um, and bye-bye. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please do me a favor and recommend the episode to your friends. Both online and in-person recommendations are appreciated, so share either on social platforms such as Twitter and LinkedIn, or just mention the podcast to your co-workers and software developer friends. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss the next episode. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also listen to the podcast directly from your web browser on flutter101.dev, that is flutter101.dev. You will also find an RSS feed there. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. It only takes a couple of seconds and can help the podcast reach a bigger audience. Have a great day and see you next time.